Thank you again for listening to our podcast today. Thank you so much for your support. We worship on Sunday at 10 a.m. here at St. John's Lutheran Church in the heart of downtown Martinsburg, West Virginia. Know that you're always welcome to our table and to our worship. God bless. And we hope you enjoy today's message. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophet and Moses, the prophet and law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And see, I am sending upon you what my father promised. So stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Then he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he, blessed, while he was blessing them, he withdrew from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually in the temple, blessing God. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise you, Christ. Y'all may be seen. I invite our children up. Forty-three days ago, we gathered in this room, in this holy place. Some of us gathered very early in the morning. Some of us came a little bit later. We gathered here three days after we remember our Lord's death on the cross. We gathered here three days after we worshipped in a hollowed-out shell of a sanctuary. And remembered that it's not the things that we place in this holy place that matter, but it's the Word of God. Forty-three days ago, we said for the first time, Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. And if you came to late service, you'll remember that we handed out some noisemakers that we shook every time we said the word Alleluia or sang it. And by the way, I intentionally handed those out to anybody under the age of 20. So if you got one, I think you're under the age of 20. So just, just remember that. Easter was a lot of fun this year. It was tiring, don't get me wrong. I went home and I, I took a nap. But it was so much fun. It was beautiful and wonderful just coming in. The, I came here really early, about 5 or 5.30 in the morning. But just coming into the church before the sun rose. And then as we gathered here for sunrise service, we lit candles. Turned the lights down low and heard the, the, Paschal, the story of Jesus rising from the dead. Heard the Paschal mystery read. And then after we had some breakfast and some coffee and got a little bit more energy, we came back to this place saying, Jesus Christ is risen today. It felt like old times, right? When the church was so full with people, we were running out of seats to fit them all into our church, right? The good old days of the church. The days when it feels like we had hope. The Sunday after Easter, it sure felt like it was back to normal, right? Back to the same old, same old stuff. And maybe for the past few weeks, it hasn't felt the same as it did on Easter Sunday. Maybe you feel like the energy of Easter morning has quickly dissipated. Maybe you are wondering, as the disciples wondered, Lord, is this the time when you'll restore the kingdom of Israel? Is this the time when, you'll, when you will come back to us, return us back to the days when we couldn't fit everyone in our sanctuary for worship? You know... Is it, not, it is very strange that the same writer of the Gospel, Luke, in the book of Acts, who record the same story of Jesus ascending to heaven, but tell it a little bit differently in both accounts. 
I mean, it would make sense if we had two different authors retelling the same story, but, it's, but all the evidence suggests that it's the same author. If you all open up your celebrates, the little thing we read from this, and open and turn to the Gospel of Luke. Let's look, at, let's look at the order of events and what is said by Jesus and the disciples in his last moments on earth. First, Jesus reminds them that everything written about him, the law, the prophets, and the Psalms, they must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, right? And then Jesus reminds them that the cross was necessary in order to fulfill God's plan for salvation. He says, thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day. And that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. He tells the disciples, you are witnesses to these things. Then he talks about the coming of the Holy Spirit. And after all this, he, he takes them on a walk. And while they're on this walk, he ascends into hell, heaven. And the disciples are celebrating. Luke tells us that they returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. That's a really nice ending to a good story. Nice way to wrap up the gospel. No cliffhangers. No need for imagining what happened next. Luke tells it plainly and simply. The last thing Jesus tells the disciples is to be on the lookout for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will come and take over the work that he has begun. Now, turn your celebrates over to the very first page to the book of Acts. Let's look at the, book, the reading from Acts. Notice verses 1 through 5. It sounds a lot like the story from our gospel lesson. It's not super different at all. There's a few changes, but very minute. But notice in verse 6, they asked Jesus, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom of Israel? And he replied, it is not for you to know the times or period that the Father has set by his own authority. It's a very different way of approaching the, God, the ending of Jesus. We didn't get that in, in, the, in the Gospel of Luke. It almost sounds like the disciples are much more worried in the, gospel, in the book of Acts than they are in the Gospel. And then Jesus goes on to say, But you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and all of Judea, and Samaria, and all the ends of the earth. In the book of Acts, Jesus flat out tells them where they're going to go. In the, book of, in the Gospel of Luke, he just says all nations. But here he tells them specifically where he is sending them. And that is a change in mission statements. Judea and Samaria is a much larger territory, much larger missionary field than just staying in Jerusalem. And those territories are filled with, you know, how we've been talking about those people, those Gentiles, those Samaritans. Now before they have a chance to process anything that Jesus has said, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. They still have so many questions. Jesus leaves them hanging a bit before they have a chance to prepare for what lies ahead of them. They stare up into the sky, and you can probably imagine a couple of them yelling, Wait! Come back! You can imagine them screaming because they're worried about what is going to, their future is. So if you're writing a two-part book, do you need to restate what happened in the first book? In the very first part of your next book, you all know I'm a, I'm a giant nerd, and I love reading Star Trek books. 
I especially love the books that are in a series that continue a narrative left off from a show or another book. And none of these authors spend time or paper telling me what happened in the last book. They'll actually tell you in the beginning of the book, make sure you read part one before you read part two. So why does Luke waste valuable space, costly space, on a story he has already told? And if I were to read this in my fan fiction, I would wonder why the author changed the ending. It's all a bit confusing. I've seen many theories out there as to why there's a different ascension account in Luke and in Acts. And they all have some valid points, but I'm a simple parish pastor. And I have to wonder if Pastor Luke saw something happening in his congregation. I have to wonder if Pastor Luke saw that his congregation was feeling a bit hopeless in those days after he wrote his gospel. Maybe he found a bunch of his parishioners longingly staring into heaven, wondering when Jesus would return. Why did he leave us? Maybe they are looking at their congregation and seeing a drop in attendance or participation. Maybe they are facing a whole new oppression from Rome. They are begging God for release, for help, for our Lord to return and make all things better. And here is Pastor Luke, standing before his congregation, a congregation who is feeling a little bit stuck, and maybe even a little bit depressed and worried. And what do you say to them to bring them out of that rut? Men and women of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward the heaven? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. You know, you tell them the truth. You tell them to stop staring into the sky, wondering if that cloud, excuse me, cloud up there will bring, ever bring Jesus back. You tell them to stop staring into the past and see that the Holy Spirit is next in God's ultimate plan. And you also tell them, that Jesus has never left you. I think there's a reason that none of the other Gospels include this narrative of Jesus ascending to heaven because they want their people to remember that Jesus is always with us to the end of the age. And I believe that is part of Luke's narrative that we sometimes often miss in this ascension story. My brothers and sisters, we can't keep longing to the time when the church was in quote-unquote its height. We can't keep staring up into heaven wondering when are we finally going to get our revenge on those who have hurt us or persecuted us, on those who don't show up on Sunday morning. For if we keep turning our backs and staring, we're going to miss the beautiful things God has laid out in front of us. We will miss out on Athena being baptized into our church family. We will miss out on her growing up and becoming one of God's beloved daughters. We'll miss out on all she has to offer to us, to our community, and to our world. Christ will return, that is for sure. The two men in white remind us of this very good news. But these angels, these men also tell us that we still have work to do. The past is in the past, and that cannot be changed. But what can be changed is what lies ahead of us. And what lies ahead of us is people who need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. What lies ahead of us is people like Athena, people like Mackenzie, Jordan, and Megan, Austin, Rhett, so many others. People like Bev and Pat, people like Betty Lou and Jane and Lori. So many people lie ahead of us in this room, 
who come out seeking the hope that can only be found in Jesus Christ. And what also lies ahead of us are people outside these four walls who don't even know how much they need Jesus and his gospel in their life. People like Lydia and her family who we heard about last week in Acts 16. You know, she was a believer in God, but had no idea she needed Jesus in her life until Paul spoke to her and her entire family was baptized. And they became the church of Philippi. Something that has been said to me and my wife many times over when thinking about Thomas is that we should never blink. Because if we blink, we miss Thomas growing up. So people of God, don't blink. Because you will miss all that God has lied out ahead of you. There are people who need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And we need to take the two men in white robes advice and stop staring, stop worrying about the things that do not matter, doing things that have no meaning, driving ourselves crazy with wanting to return to things as they used to be and see that all that can be done through the power and work of the Holy Spirit.